Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever here. The phone lines are open, 8150-939-3831-939 for the UPS Jobs text line. If you'd like uh, to hit us up that way, welcome to do so uh, as well. Uh, Tyler, we were quickly, uh, to put a bow on all the discussion we were having before, but we were talking about uh, just perhaps big picture stuff, like maybe this is the sort of thing that comes up or is discussed in a meeting with Josh or what have you. But, you know, I would, you and I, I think, probably agree. There's almost nothing that's going to keep him from, from getting a second year and a chance to to show that if you just overhaul the roster, maybe the way he probably should have tried to do a little bit more year one, you'll see different results. We'll see if that's true. I've wondered if this all isn't, one big misapprehension of Sidney Curry. And I don't intend to pile on him, but I th- we're talking about a guy that was one of the lone bright spots at the end of last year. Uh, comes in, and I think Kenny probably looked at him like, this is somebody I can do something with. If he's playing like this kind of as a freelancer uh, you know, last year, I'm going to be able to really build something, and we can do what we're going to do around Remember, because early on, before the season started, there was a lot of talks about getting the ball to guys in the post, posting up, and it sounded very 90s NBA, honestly. It was kind of fun to, to hear a coach even talking about doing that. He's a captain, all that sort of thing. And I just wonder if the like the biggest thing that went wrong this year was just thinking that you were going to get through to him when you didn't. It's one of the biggest failures, absolutely. I mean, it, because... It was. It's been a position that nobody has really stepped up outside of. You know, I think again, I've made the argument before the JJ trainer became the most trustworthy guy down low, or a guy who you at least knew was going to give it his all every time. And I think JJ made strides this year, and that Louisville should want him back to see if he can keep taking them. Uh, but Sid becomes excuse me, the face of that, and it doesn't help, again, that Kenny's reputation coming here was this whole big man whisperer thing, so a guy who showed promise last season and then 
you quite literally got next to nothing out of him this year. It's just I think he's the face of the disappointment that has come with this because the numbers are just so drastically different from what we saw towards the end of last year. Um, but honestly, like, you know, Brandon Huntley Hatfield doesn't has not wowed me in his this season. Like, and not to again Agreed. not piling on anybody here, but like, it's I think the overall lack of of any sort of promise from the the big man group is something that nobody like that was supposed to be almost a given this year was like okay the the big men will get better with Kenny and having a, a whole year will help and you can only say it for one guy who took strides and it's great to see JJ have some success after you know I I honestly I I think JJ has shown Hell, he's shown, you know, Chris in the last half, like, hey, you guys probably should have played me a little bit more than you were, given me more of a chance, or tried to, you know, coach me a, a little bit in a different way, or try to connect with me more to see on the same level, because there's clearly stuff to work with in JJ's game. I like a lot of what he does. Yeah, I almost uh, would have preferred, and again, this is just, you know, armchair coaching here, but if he had very early on just cut bait with Sid. And I know that that's not like the MO there, but I would have almost preferred this Louisville team to have tried what they did in the COVID year and like manage the year with Jalen Withers playing as an undersized center and just to not see it out there. Because I think he kept being a contradiction to what was being preached and it was very, very hard for people to sit through like the results and the messaging about the results when it was like that. And I, I don't enjoy this conversation because I don't like feeling like I'm piling on a, an athlete. But it's to me, it's just the thing that stuck out the most. And I just wonder how often some sort of like bleed off of that led to other issues. I don't think we'll ever be able to know. No, I don't. And I, I struggle with this as well because, like, look, I, I, I never know what somebody's going through personally either or mentally, emotionally. And, like, I, and that's on, you know, look, if that's something Sid wants to talk about at some point in time, then that's, that's all his, man. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and speculate on something like that. And, right. and obviously, right. in this day and age, I think we all should be more than well aware with, with how many, uh, athletes at every level are more open and talking about their mental health and how much it can prohibit you and affect you on the court. Uh, or, or on the field or whatever it is. So, you know, if, if that turns out to, to be a reason for that, then I, I, I really feel I feel for the kid in general just because this is not no matter no matter what with this whole situation, nobody went into this season being like, yeah, you know, I, I just expect like, you know, whatever. I, I, I can't really buy that personally. Just because it takes and, and I'm like that really with with any sport when we get to this level because it takes such a hard amount of work and commitment to even get to this. So, like, everybody at a baseline just has to care to a certain degree. Uh, but in terms of buying into the approach and messaging that Kenny's tried to employ since day one to try and change things to where they should be in his view, then, yeah, some guys just, I think, got lost with that or were just like, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm not really into it. I don't see it. But... Somebody did text that, you know, JJ's improvement shows that someone is getting what they are trying to put down. And, no doubt. And, and, and yeah, I, I think that's something that you can you say is a positive because 
clearly, you know, I think Chris and JJ, last year's staff at JJ, did not see eye to eye on, you know, what he was bringing or what they expected out of him. And Kenny saw what JJ could be with his length, with his athleticism, and say, hey, you can impact the game this way. I'm not telling you to like stop shooting threes, but don't shoot as many of them and really focus on rebounding and putbacks, playing some better defense and being around the block. And he has definitely gotten better with that. It's something that is that is one of the incremental improvements I mentioned earlier that doesn't outweigh the overall lack of improvement, but it is still one of the few positives. did want to quickly uh, let everybody know, if you listened into the V Show earlier today, you heard uh, Nikki V said, uh, our guy Bob, Bob Valvano, uh, required a bypass surgery. So he had surgery. Uh, and he is apparently, according to Nick, is out, uh, and uh, everything seems to have gone uh, as well as they wanted that to go. So good to hear that. Can't wait to have Bob uh, back around here. He's been through it uh, the last yeah. couple of years with uh, with health-related things. Hopefully, uh, maybe this will be the, the end of that uh, for a while uh, for him, but glad to hear that he's on the mend, and hopefully he'll be back with us really soon. And hopefully next year when he's uh, calling games with Paul, they'll be – a pretty dramatically different looking roster. I think you would have to agree, Tyler. Pretty exciting. It's the, the idea of Dennis Evans coming in here. And I know that uh, the quotes that he's given in some of these uh, recruiting articles recently about being sold on kind of the the person who will lead the renaissance here is, is appealing uh, to him. In terms of a prospect that Kenny could get in on very late that would be on the team for next year, that would help him in every conceivable way. I can't think of anything better. Well, outside of like DJ Wagner, right? <laughs> Changing, but like outside of that, getting a five-star, naturally imposing shot blocker who's buying into a vision of what you want from him would to me it would change everything for this team. Oh, they I had, think in particular yeah. like a, a crazy. Uh, Shot blockers have an attitude. You know what I mean? When I, like, you know a shot blocker. Like, they like it. They look for it. And it's been a while since we've had one of those uh, around here. But when you've got one, everyone gets to play defense a different way. Yeah. And they need that. Badly. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. It's like we too often look at it as, like, how they individually impact things uh, just for their own game. But, but, but I think the level of comfort you have in knowing somebody – is there to help you out if you get beat on an assignment or uh, or a step late to something like I, it's a huge benefit for you uh and look that there's there's no getting around just in general he needs kenny and the staff needs some some, some positivity somewhere to to grab onto and to, and to really like signal the off-season change that is coming and I think that is that news becoming more. I don't know if it could become completely official yet, like a, a signing per se, or like when that can happen. But like just the just the, that everybody knows that this kid is committed to Louisville would be a great like flag planting, if you will, of like, hey, look, off seasons here. This season wasn't acceptable. Now it starts changing with the personnel. Here's where it starts. You need that in the worst way possible after these last two games. Yeah, in addition to like what it means for the basketball side, uh, which 
again, I think it, we, we could talk more uh, about what it would do for them basketball-wise. But it the it's hard to overstate just how m- valuable a giant recruiting win really is. You know, like the, for perception is that yes. as much as anything, and and psychology. You know, when when people who have options are picking your school, uh, that's that good feeling lasts a really long time. And I've mentioned it so many times recently. But you know, the the opinions about Scott and people's willingness to put up with and, and be patient with him changed a lot once Pierce Clarkson and those California kids and everything started to commit. People were could make themselves put up with a whole lot more just to see that sort of thing in this case i think it would be more of a okay now we're we're finally seeing what we thought we would see and i would think Tyler, that it would be a lot easier to sell some others on playing alongside that guy we're going to build yeah. around this guy and we need you to play this role with him in mind and he's like a bon- he's like a bona fide thing he is a sure thing we need you to do this you to do this and I don't think, you know, like this is a, we're talking about flipping a five-star kid who was signed. I think it, it allows you to be optimistic again about what they might be able to do recruiting-wise in the short term until, hopefully, the results are closer to what we'd all hope for. Yeah, I think it at least gives you something to grab onto with the recruiting prowess that everybody was was promised. You know, because clearly that did not add up in the first offseason in terms of who they were able to to bring in or get in on or whatever. It didn't add up. But now it's it's Dennis Evans, it's it's Trenton Flowers is another one that I think would be uh, a huge win for them in terms of what he could bring at a position of need as well. Uh, that's another, would be another like domino that could fall to show you that like, okay, Kenny Payne, the recruiter that everybody was excited about like here are the the fruits of that um in the portal itself obviously i think that's something that will come into a fuller shape really as the regular season ends for everybody and even after some postseasons wrap up for uh some of the mid-major programs and some of the programs going through coaching changes whatever like you know, that just, as we saw with football, with the rapid amount of new additions that ended up happening from places that we probably didn't even expect at a point in time. Like, you, you have to be a little patient, I think, with the portal in seeing who becomes available and, like, who have you already reached out to as, like, a feeler, uh, which I don't know if technically is, that's allowed or not, but I'm sure... And he moves in silence, so we wouldn't find out well, about yeah, it. But, but that's the thing. It's like you kind of have to do that nowadays, right? Like, especially with this new general manager role that's emerging amo- across college basketball or will become more prevalent. Uh, yeah, you're going to send some, some you up texts to like some guys out there who you feel like might be going through a coaching change soon. It happens. You're going to do it. And, and Sky Quark's the guy who comes to mind for some, sure. or, or not even a coaching change in, in that respect, but just, you know, are you considering a change here? So, yeah, that that will come into a fuller picture as we move forward. Well, and I think I'm hoping that fans have become savvy enough. It takes, you know, we're all getting used to living in this, the transfer portal, immediate eligibility world still. But it, uh, for fans to get used to the fact, like, kids don't enter the portal and then 
start working on where they're going to go, by and large. Almost always, they've already sort of begun working on where they might go. Then they then they officially do it. Because people are used to, uh, at this point, learning after that first year that a whole lot of people jumped out feet first into the portal and didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. And and the number, like the percentage of people who enter the portal and then don't sign at anywhere close to an equivalent school, it's shocking. It's a, it should be a bigger story. Uh, people are getting in the portal to go go somewhere else, and they're in nowhere. It happens a lot. Yeah. And so, and then I think that this Dennis Evans thing, like this is, we're not going to hear when it comes to transfer portal names. It's not going to be a gradual recruitment very often. You know, it's not going to be a, here's my final, here's my five, here, I'm taking my visits on these dates. Like, in a lot of cases, it's going to get done real quick and be out of the blue. And so I don't, we're just going to have to wait until we feel like we've got a full roster before we start saying, like, okay, this is what they're going to be. Because people could arrive as options at any time. They could. It's it's going to... It's going to be a weird mix of like anticipation, but also some patience as like you, some situations fully uh, shake out over the off season. Uh, we also have Mike waiting to, to get in here, so let's let's get Mike in. Let's do Mike, that. Mike, what's going on, bud? Mike, what's going on, bud? Hey, I, yeah, you're right on the track that uh, I was thinking about asking a question here. So, uh, just way back a couple of years ago, uh, Tyler Harrell was already at Alabama before he left Louisville. Um, I know NIL changes things, but I'm, I'm kind of wondering, uh, I know you can make a commitment and then just open your recruitment back up and go, but when you sign that letter of intent, you have to be asked to be let out. But there's got to be, I mean, doesn't there have to be some kind of investigation of tampering when you do that and then you're auto- automatically crystal ball two days later, you know, to a school that, that uh, I don't know. How is it working differently with the letter of intent versus just a commitment? Thank you, guys. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, look, as far as the letter of intent uh, is concerned, all of these coaches, you're not allowed to have the same kind of contact, you know, once somebody's signed. But everyone involved knows how to go about communicating in such a way as to never trip over that tripwire. Like, I, I will just... Whoever is the first person that gets busted for real and gets in real trouble for tampering is an idiot <laughs> well miami like, had something of, like last week with the women's program but that was nil that wasn't like tampering that Fair. was using nil as an inducement that's a different conversation what i'm talking about is someone who gets busted for tampering which i'm defining as like having you know contact with somebody that they're not supposed to either someone that's straight up an athlete at another school or is already signed and you know there are limits about what you're allowed to do and what you can't do but they've all everyone has learned how to go about this in an indirect way that doesn't violate the letter of the law and and you know allows for plausible deniability and and if you want the closest analogy to this i would say is when you look at it with the nba or the nfl in particular when it becomes like the first day of the next year it's the first day that players can sign a contract for the upcoming season somewhere and all you like as soon as it hits midnight you know uh, woj and, and shams are unload drafts and they send you all these contracts that holy cow they worked out a deal like in one minute yeah Hold yeah up. yeah it's like that it's but directly no, comparable to that yeah that, that's exactly what it is exactly so yeah. that's like that's how that gets done which is why i, I again i'm intrigued by the 
increasing uh, prevalence of a GM type position in college sports, not just on the basketball side of things, but in football as well, uh, because this is something you're going to want to keep tabs on throughout the year. Uh, as as every coach says a million times over about recruiting, and the prospects say it as well when they're talking about differences, about you know the relationships over and over and over again. Sometimes it's a guy you had a previous recruiting relationship with, but I. I I'm just not going to be surprised. And we hear coaches talk about this, whether they're complaining about it or not, that guys check in every now and then. They try to keep in touch throughout a year. And I think those those staff positions that keep a, an eye on the lay of the land in the portal or are strictly dedicated to the portal, like, yeah, that's going to be a thing moving forward for any of these GM types. And that's just going to be the game. Uh, and, and quite frankly, that's how I... I'm encouraged that Louisville can still throw its weight around in this regard. And especially in the, in the case where, you know, Minnesota's having a horrible year. And so you could understand like someone's being able to weasel their way in there and, and snake this five-star recruit, but it's Louisville having a worse year than Minnesota by several games, still being able to do it. I'm at least encouraged that still got a little juice out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that's that's totally fair. We also have uh, Bob waiting to get in. Bob, let's join the show, see what's going hey on. Hey, guys. Uh, enjoy your all show. I've been listening to you talk here about U of L. Uh, I kind of, uh, you know, we're talking about how Louisville's going to have to remake its roster. For sure. Uh, and um, by my count, we've got six new players that should be coming into Louisville. If you count, Sky Clark, Karan Davis, uh, Caleb Glenn, and Curtis Williams. Uh, then, uh, boy, who else was Evans. It? I guess we're going to yeah. count Dennis Evans there. Evans. That's five. And there was one more. Um, did it say Karan Davis? Maybe it was just five. But yeah, that's five. Uh, well, but anyway, he's he's making he's getting the players in. I, I think we need a um, we need to look for some more help. Uh, another guard, point guard, uh, and we also need to look at uh, maybe another, you know, the power forward somebody because I haven't been very impressed with the. You know, with with what Brian Hundley Hatfield has done, or you know, to that amount, Jalen Withers. I mean, you know, he 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 shoots up a lot of threes, but I think his defense is suspect. So, uh, but I mean, I will say that that Payne is on the right track, and I'm sure he's going to hear this from uh, Josh Hurd on what he's going to have to do. So. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll just see how it goes in the next, uh, you know, we'll know in the next couple of months because this come May, we don't have, uh, you know, the, the the roster we need, then, you know, uh, we could be in trouble. Anyway, thank you all. Appreciate uh, the call there. You know, earlier we said that Mike James, J.J. Trainer, Emmanuel Corfor, Kamari Lands, those four, you feel like for sure are going to come back. Part of this is going to be, I think, finding out what they think about Fabio and Devin Reed. 
and yeah. whether whether they intend to bring those and want those guys to come back and if those guys want to come back uh, because that will impact I think who you go after and however many guys you need to go after but you know if both of those guys come back and you talk about the five people that are coming back uh, that's that's 11 players right there that's a, a deeper roster than you've got right now without I mean and that's without Brennan Holy Hatfield that would be 12 I think uh, if you added him uh, to come back as well I honestly, I kind of have a hard time buying that, that Fabio and Devin are going to be back. Just because I, I feel like you would have seen them for longer stretches this year, at, literally at any point. You know, you've seen Fabio get in a, a few times more recently, but even when Kenny was asked about that uh, after the last game, he basically boiled it down to, you know, Hersey isn't fully healthy, L needs a break, and that's kind of why I got him in there. It wasn't like an endorsement of him by any means. Uh, I feel like Kenny's been been asked or given the opportunity to either to prop up either of those guys and, like, their potential here for the future at all, and he really hasn't done that. So, I, I mean, I'm not speaking off of any inside information there, just going off of what I see in the games. I feel like really either of them should have played more if you were really interested or or hell-bent on bringing them back i wouldn't be i mean i wouldn't be surprised if that's the plan you know for those guys to to go ahead uh, and move on but that just adds to the the number of guys you would need to bring in and i you're going to need to blend them you know i think guys at different points in their careers but i for me, like I think priority one, like you got to get bodies, of course. Right. But you've got, there has to be like a heavier emphasis on sort of screening these guys. And this is going to sound maybe silly, but for for hard work, because I think one of the, like I think this roster is more skilled than they have shown, because they don't love hard work you know when and and i think the proof of that is when it's a snowball rolling down a hill when they have those stretches where they've had somebody kind of on the run a little bit you've seen them really kind of stretch their legs out and erase some big deficits and things like that have some nights where some shots fall and all of a sudden everything starts falling for at least a little while but they very quickly shrug shoulders slump shoulders, throw their hands up in the air, uh, complain to referees, although that's been a little better uh, recently. Yeah. And and I, I would hope that, like, one of the biggest emphases as they're hitting the portal and looking for guys to bring in here is the body language of players is just – it can't also be annoying. <laughs> like, we, you just can't ask people to support that, that same thing again this year. Well, I think you have to have an honest conversation with guys about <laughs> – enjoying the dirty work that as much as anything you know I, you watch a lot of the bigs this year and I, it's just some of the little things i think that really have been annoying people in terms of like you know being a big you got to be able to set some good hard screens man like you that that's just like at a baseline level that's one of the basic skills you have to have and they don't on louisville that they really don't i don't think they set great hard physical or just overall physicality in screens on the backboard uh in the post being able to to strongly hold onto the ball like things like that it's just those little things where it's like like if you're not down to really embrace that part of your game 
uh, then yeah, it's, it's probably going to be an issue moving forward. And it's clear that those little things really tick off Kenny because he those are like the first things he'll mention in any news conference this year. Uh, and he pretty bluntly uh, says it now. Uh, but, you know, he it, it was definitely interesting to hear him go on the the rant he did after senior night because I thought it was a good le- a good view into how a guy like him with the career he had views something as special as senior night and understands at like a basic level what that means to like a college fan base and a typical team and that and like he expected that to click with that group as enough motivation to get them to come out and play hard and, and maybe get a win in front of the home court and he had and he learned the hard way that it it didn't resonate that way and it wasn't really it didn't seem to be viewed that way if that makes sense uh, I, I, it does it does make sense we got a couple of folks who've been waiting so let's go ahead and get to it here we got bob that's up next or jerry i'm sorry jerry welcome into the job what's on your mind bud hey guys i'll tell you what under difficult circumstances this basketball season there's one person associated with L basketball that has done a fantastic job, an award-winning job. That's Paul Rogers. Yeah. You know, guys, I'm a former U.K. fan, L fan. I go back to Kwood, Van Vance, all the best. Now, I'm going to tell you what. Paul's great at what he does, but I've tuned him in some this year. Wow. Can you imagine being in Paul's position with this team, everything going on? He's been fantastic. He's off the charts. He's been entertaining. He's kept it light. He's kept it going. I mean, game after game after the game, he has to talk for a few minutes. Paul's done a fantastic job. I just, I think everyone in the local media needs to compliment him, and I'm sure they understand, you know, <laughs> as I do, what a great job he's done under these circumstances that he didn't lose us completely. And under, oh, my God, these circumstances for a guy like Paul, calling games, talking coaches and players, trying to have a positive spin the best that he can and still being realistic. Paul hasn't, you know, yes, he's a homer, but, you know, he's, he's just been able to thread that needle perfectly. And as a matter of fact, a lot of local media has. And I take my hat off. You guys, too. I know, you know, this is kind of new for everybody around here under these types of circumstances. And yet I think people have been in the media for the most part have been respectful. They understand Kenny. They understand the history, but they also understand the miserable performance on the court, especially after senior night. I'm there. I'm a season ticket holder down a lower ball. And I'm like, come on guys, really? This is how you're going to play on senior night. You know, you look as bad as you look this season. Uh, so, but anyways, I just want to get that out there yeah. about Paul and a lot of members of local media. How what a tough year it's been. Yet, I think they've been very professional. Thank you. I, I appreciate that, uh, Jerry. And look, I'll, on the same lines, uh, thank you for the call. You know, I thought fans have done wonderfully this year uh, in terms of their being like. You know, I was prepared for tumbleweeds in the state you know at at the um center we really didn't get that it weren't great crowds and obviously they're much smaller than they have been in previous years but no one ever really embarrassed themselves or anything you know nothing silly we never had any kind of acting out i thought fans by and large handled themselves quite well and of course i don't know that there's there's enough time to even give paul uh his his flowers for this year and for overall just 
he he gets to have the privilege of being the sound of all of your memories uh, which is a, an, an incredible privilege that only really the radio play-by-play guy gets because you only hear him and that's it but think about how many times when you think of a play you hear Paul's voice too and it's you don't know anyone you don't know anyone who can remember any other voice and that's in, that's such an incredible privilege for him and he deserves it he's great at what he does yeah he he's a pro honestly like uh one of my uh regrets from the covid basketball year was like we actually had a story set up uh with Paul to hang out with him when he was calling games remotely like from his house um because i thought it was just so different like how do you you know how do you pull that off and when you're a pro like paul is like you know you hold yourself to a pretty high standard so like you know you balance that i just wanted to see like his setup and how it went but i can't remember what game it was but that game ended up getting canceled uh for covid and we didn't get the chance to do it and i was like damn that would have been a that would have been fun to be able to see that and see how you pull that off from home because calling games is, is tough man it's even tougher when you got to do it in a completely different space than you're used to. I mean, that was one of the weirdest years. Like even like seeing TV broadcasts where it's like you have two guys in two different studios calling the same game and they're not even at the arena. So it's like, yeah, you know, it's, I mean, you can do radio here where it's like Mark's at his house, Tyler's in the studio. It's like, we talk over each other every now and then it's like doing play by play and color commentary together. That's gotta be <sighs> difficult to do. Oh, cause it's so based on timing as much as anything else. I mean, you have to be in tune with what's happening, but able to properly give your, your analyst or your color guy, like their space and their time and to set them up. And it, it's even more difficult when you're, that's why I really don't like the, the growing trend of calling games remotely for like the TVs networks, like for, for Fox and ESPN, like you'll see that sometimes and i do not i mean i get why they're doing it it's a production cost thing but it definitely hampers your product like it's it's not good at all by the way a number of textures have brought up the the other uh, african prospect that we at least know that louisville's been involved with the churchill abbas player who's pretty fun to watch i'm not gonna lie to you if if the roster is if the roster additions are Caleb Glenn, Churchill, Abbas, uh, Dennis Evans, Caleb Glenn, Sky Clark. That's pretty. That's a. That seems like a substantial upgrade, does it not? Yeah, I think it'll be an, an infusion of talent. I, I guess what my challenge is on spawning off of the whole roster turnover as it happens is like, is how patient or impatient are folks going to be to like, I guess what are your expectations then with an infusion of new talent? Because clearly it can't get any worse than this year. Like this, this is the bottom completely. But if it adds up to being around 500 with new talent, which is an improvement in terms of the number of wins, then is it still like, okay, look, yes, there's, there is improvement. We're seeing it or no. Okay. These are his guys. Now his talent, like we should at least be challenging for the tournament. 
And that's, I think I side more with the second half of that just because we've seen how quickly things can get turned around at, at programs who, with guys who do get their own talent in there, even if it's just for a year and there's an immediate difference. But I think that's, you know, a huge consideration to, to take in. And I've said before on here that this year was so bad that it puts even more pressure to show more immediate results next season. All right, let's go ahead and take a uh, quick break here. Come back. We'll put a bow on this one here. On the drive on a thunder boat. Right back. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it. But then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. Listening to the drive presented by Fitness Market right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever. The phone lines are open uh, for the uh, the remainder here. If you want to try to squeeze in before we finish things up, did want to quickly uh, shout out uh, Yaya Diaby at the NFL Combine. Just ran a very nice four five six forty. For a guy that plays at, what, 275 or so, that is fantastic for him. And overall, it seems like, Tyler, the defensive linemen and edge guys at the Combine uh, are freakishly just getting bigger and faster somehow. It's crazy. You got uh, guys, uh, you know, Nolan Smith from Georgia just ran a 4-4. Yeah. This is crazy. No, it's nuts. And, you know, with Yaya in particular, I think he was a guy who people – only saw at Louisville was like, man, that guy's got like every physical tool. When when you look at him, it it just hadn't matched the production he had been showing. And then he came into this last season, and it all like finally clicked for him. Uh, I'm extremely intrigued to see what he does at the NFL level because I'm not surprised at all to see the athleticism showing out and the physical traits. And now that he has the tape to back it up from this past year, I think he could be a good NFL player. I, yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I definitely – and I think, you know, being able to be kind of versatile and being able to run, I think Yasir Abdul is going to play in the league, too. I think somebody's – Oh, definitely. No, I, I, I love that. he can cover and be that. a zone yeah. guy in addition to being an edge rush, you know, kind of guy, too. And I think he's – to use one of these lame football NFL like scouting, he's scheme diverse. But I think he is. <laughs> like, you could use him in different ways. And if, even if you sort of change what you're doing system-wise – he's still going to be valuable. Yeah, no, I think he's got uh, plenty of capability in, in a variety of ways where he's going to put his hand in the ground and rush, if he's going to stand up, if he's going to drop in coverage, uh, run defender, all of those things. Like He, he will definitely uh, help 
somebody out. No question about it. The combine is always a. It's kind of amazing to me because I feel like we've everybody's been kind of critical of, of the combine and like how it like how much does it really mean? And yet, it still gets covered wall to wall, like every update, every video, everything imaginable. While we're all realizing that, like, okay, this is all great, but like, isn't the tape ultimately what really matters here? Like when they're actually playing the game against people, you know, it's a, it's a fascinating like uh, dynamic there for me. Well, you know, I, I there I've read a lot of like different theories about why the combine, it, you know, sort of has the sway that it does with with NFL people instead of the tape and that sort of thing. And it seems I think the one that I like the most is the idea that. You know, NFL teams get, they fall in love with the measurables because they are objective. And they, yeah. I, and I think in particular, the executives who draft that way, I think they feel like it gives them a measure of protection. But they're like, how could I, how could I look away from a guy who's this size and can run like that? Like, what do you mean? How, what do you, why would I take this other guy or whatever? And I feel like they are afraid. So many of them, I think, do everything they do defensively, and, and like out of a trying to avoid being fired or what have you. And I think going with the measurably sure things is what they think is like the least risky of all out uh, philosophies. Yeah, it's 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 crazy to me because I, I I gotta admit I'm not a big combine guy as a whole. I'm really just I'm horrible when it comes to NFL draft content. Like I, I don't dive into it a ton, which is which might sound weird because I do love uh, the NFL and, and I watch it, you know, religiously. Obviously, with uh, being a huge Ravens fan, but uh, I, I don't get terribly excited watching combines, pro days, and the pro day ones like the worst for me because we get so excited about quarterbacks throwing against nothing. No defense, like nothing at all. And I'm like, I mean, I guess if you want to get go crazy over some arm talent here, sure. But I think I'm, they did it with like Zach Wilson a couple of years. I was like, oh, look at this yeah. passing pro day. It's like he's moving on his own. Like uh, I'm just like, it's no pressure. I mean, you can take a few things here and there from it, but man, we take it and just we run with it. And then, well, it also tells me how desperate everybody is just for like football in general. Like, yeah, I feel like it all that plays into the how much we put into these things now for sure oh football owns the calendar yeah like foot like the nfl knows they never go more than six or eight weeks without like an event you, you go you think about like from the end of the season you have like the super bowl to the hall of fame inductions to the combine to the draft, to rookie minicamp, and they're right back at it again. And they end up dominating. And then, of course, the season gets here. Like, they dominate the whole sports calendar. And I've heard David Sampson you know, t- talk about his experience as president of the Marlins. Like, every other sports league hates them. They're like, why can't we have anything? Why do you have to take over everything? But we are addicted to football like nothing else. Like, there's that two-month period that baseball is the only sport on professional. Like, the big four sports is just baseball. And no one cares. It's like, I mean, I like baseball. I'll watch games every now and then. But it's not covered, and no one cares that much about baseball. It's like, oh, tell me what happened at football practice today. 
You know what? It, it's not that no one cares about baseball. No one cares about every aspect of baseball all the time like they do football. That's really what it is. Baseball is way more casual because there's a million players, a million games, and you don't feel like you've really missed a whole lot important if you miss one or two. Right? Like, it's not a big deal. Or you can just sort of casually, just sort of loosely. But with football, it's like every single thing. No one wants to miss any of it. because Every snap matters. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's become like an addictive pattern uh, in some ways. But, yeah, yeah, I check out of it in terms of the, I'll I'll breed some mock drafts here and there. But I'm a little over those and, and the combine on, I don't know. I'm. I'm also just like but you I know what I don't what I don't need I don't need anyone to tell me anyone's hand size. Yeah, that's the stuff where I'm like we get way too wrapped up in this. Or even like the whole Bryce Young weight thing. You know? Right. Yeah, it's just I watched Bryce Young, man. And I I'd be pretty comfortable taking Bryce Young. I'm not a scout, I'm not anything like that, but I think he's pretty damn good. Taken before freaking Will Levis. I would too. I, you know, I get it. Yeah, he played at Bama. He's going to play with great receivers and things like that. But man, you watch some of the plays that he made on his own out of nothing on the, multiple the two minutes drive against Texas for one on the was road. Phenomenal. Was great. Auburn in the yeah. Bowl two years ago. Just yeah, phenomenal. And it's the like fun, the fun, no, but Tyler, the funny thing about saying, you know, he played with pros at Alabama. He'll be playing with better receivers in the NFL than he had at Alabama. Yeah. Sorry. Like, he will because you can go find them and draft them and sign them. Like, he's had nice players at Alabama. He'll have receivers that are no worse than what he had at Alabama. So, like, it's such a – that seems to me like such a silly thing. Uh, Because any GM who has wide receivers that aren't as good as any college team is going to get fired. Like, that seems like such a silly thing to try to critique somebody over. Yeah, I, I understand taking in the measurables and writing them down and having it be a part of your evaluation, but I think when that stuff starts overriding what you're actually seeing on tape and what you like, then then it's probably an issue as a whole. Like it shouldn't like you can use it as some like, hey, let's keep this in mind, but the the skill and the talent on display has to overwhelm everything else. And I don't know what more Bryce Young really could have done in his time actually playing to impress people. And uh, to me, I, I don't, again, I'm not the draft guy, but like I would pretty clearly take him before anybody else in this draft. I just find it hard to believe that there's someone out there that's like, oh, let's see. Like, just hypothetically, if someone viewed it as like Bryce Young, Will Levis, like, man, they're very neck and neck, but you know, Will Levis is a little bit taller. So yeah, let's take Will that. Levis. Like, no one's going to say that. Hopefully and that's not, not me saying, like, look, I I can see Will Levis being a good pro quarterback. I, if he gets in the I, I can see it happening. But if we're just going off of the, you know, what we have seen on the field, Bryce Young has shown. And it's the same thing with, like, Anthony Richardson. Again, I think Anthony Richardson shows you flashes of, of being a special talent or a good player and someone who can get in the right situation and, and get coached up and get a shot and really play well but the thing again with Bryce you have just you've already seen it he's already produced at an extremely high level and not only done that but but made a lot of plays where you sat there and said who else could have made that play like who else could have extended that play that way and made this happen and I I just saw that so many times from him I think the the worst 
thing that has happened to any of these kinds of discussions is Josh Allen. The, uh, yeah. The, but because now everyone is afraid to have an issue with the quarterback because they had an issue with Josh Allen that was legitimate at the time that he obviously has transcended in a way that has made me hilariously wrong, which is fine. I have no problem with that. I was wrong yeah. about him. So was everybody else just about. But now people in their evaluations are looking for the next one, which is basically looking for the one that I'm going to be wrong about, that they are going to be wrong about, uh, and trying to now not be – now you're not allowed to be skeptical of anybody because of Josh Allen. And every GM is like going to be petrified of passing on the next Josh Allen. To where I wonder, like, how long is it going to take before we're ever allowed to be skeptical of any quarterback again because of Josh Allen? Yeah, it's well, it's also part of the problem, too, with like everybody has this just intense dedication, like, oh, you were right or you were wrong about this, about this prospect. And it's like, guys, like, it's it's not that deep. Really, I mean, some guys take it a little too far, and they're like, "I got this guy." You know, if this guy does this, I'll I'll quit or whatever. Like, I mean, that's that stuff. I mean, gets, look at any NFL GM. There's hits and there's misses. It's, it's just happen. the nature of the I business. Mean, it's a, I mean, you're getting into a a dangerous business. It's a kind of a thankless content medium, really, because it, it's also like we give draft the draft grades that come out after drafts are over, and it's like, guys, we don't even know how this draft is going to look you got to give this a couple years to see how this shakes out. So, a lot of times, quarterback evaluations, Tyler, they sound to me like astrology. <laughs> Where, like, you know what I mean? Like you're trying yeah. to, to divine the future from these like measurable, tangible uh, aspects of a certain player. And it, it's if football is so up its own butt about it, too. It's so different than anywhere else. Yeah, it These is. Guys, all—they're like, I gotta look into this guy's soul. You know, like, man, come on, can you throw it or not? Well, it's that, and, and again, like the the coaching matters. Yeah. It really, really matters. Uh, look, I think Patrick Mahomes would have succeeded anywhere, but I thought he—and he has said this so many times—but he, I really do think he arrived in a really awesome situation with the Chiefs, with with Andy Reid, and and being able to learn something from Alex Smith, and uh, it it helped him. It helped him a lot, uh, and he's readily admitted that many times. And you see a lot of other organizations where where guys continuously come in and they're flaming out at quarterback, and and you wonder, it's like, do you have the right coach in place there? Do you have the everything? Like even see like what what Brian Dable came in and did and showed. I don't think Daniel Jones is great by any means, but he looked better. With Brian, or at least looked a lot more competent with Brian Dable at the helm of things. Uh, that's that stuff matters, man. All right, that is going to do it for us. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Here, you've been listening to the Drive on I Find the Bill. See you.